welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Hi, everybody. Um, again, my name is Leo, and I'm a sexaholic. And I'm really grateful to be here today. Um, I've never spoken for a telephone meeting, so um, I will try not to put anybody to sleep. Um, I guess to start out with, one of the things that, that kind of caught my attention as soon as I came to SA was um, what it talks about and, and never quite feeling good enough, um, you know, as I was growing up. And, and basically um, what had happened for me was that feeling of never quite fitting in that, you know, fantasy, masturbation, pornography, all of that stuff um, was part of my life for a long time. Um, what for me was, um, you know, that, that feeling of not being good enough and that just kind of that, that empty hole led me to um, masturbation and pornography, but also to a, a drug and alcohol addiction. Um, I got sober from the drug and alcohol addiction um, in 1998, but the, the, the sexaholism um, really remained untreated um, up until 2009. One of the things, you know, that uh, is, uh, we read in the, in the first step in the white book, it talks about that um, periods of white knuckle sobriety, um, that negative sobriety of just not acting out, and then, you know, periods of, of just acting out and kind of giving up. That was really... Uh, that was really the story of my um, adult life. You know, I would maintain periods of white knuckle sobriety where I was just not acting out. I was a dry drunk. Um, and it was always very uncomfortable, and very unpleasant because, you know, what I came to learn later was that lust, um, that sexaholism was still active in the background. Um, and then eventually I would get tired of, of not, acting out and I would just act out and, you know, go for weeks or a couple of months of looking at pornography and, and things like that. Um, and, and really I would have these kind of things where I would, I would look at it and say, well, you know, at least I'm not doing this. And then, you know, that line would move or, um, I would rationalize and say, well, I'm, I'm not, you know, looking at this kind of pornography. I'm only looking at this. And, and that would be, that would make it okay. Um, at least in my mind, it would make it okay or it would make it less bad. Um, I knew that I had a problem um, with, with sexaholism. I knew that I had a problem, um, but I wasn't making the behavioral changes that I needed. I wasn't practicing a positive sobriety. Um, and then basically what had happened, there, there wasn't any real 
external, you know, I didn't run into any trouble with the law, although I could have. Um, but what had happened was I started kind of seeing myself, uh, things started catching my eye on the internet about, you know, um, you know, hooking up with people and, and things like that. Um, thankfully, I, I didn't quite get there, but I was on my way to doing it. But really what had happened was my wife had caught me, you know, for God only knows how many times, um, you know, looking at pornography on the Internet. She had found it in the, you know, the Internet search history. And once again, you know, oh, you know, I, 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 you're right. You caught me. I did it. And just the, the look of, of disappointment that she had. Um, you know, I was starting to, and really kind of what precipitated that was, um, I was starting to be, um, unable to be intimate with my wife, um, because of all of the images and everything that were just constantly rolling around in my head. Um, that had really kind of overtaken my, my life. Um, you know, and, and my wife, you know, when this happened, didn't say anything, you know, to make, you know, with the intent of making me feel any particular type of guilt or, or anything. It was just kind of that look of profound disappointment and hurt um, that I saw. And that's really what spurred me into action. Um, and I knew, you know, from past experience with other addictions that, that, that recovery was possible, um, that, that, they're, that working the steps and, and you know, practicing these principles in my life was, it was, it was a real possibility that it worked. Um, but what I wasn't able to do in, you know, in, in the other 12 step program that I was involved with was apply those, the, the principles to my sexaholism. I didn't know how to do it. And I had been trying for a long time to do it by myself. Um, and I just consistently failed. So, um, I ended up going to my first SA meeting and, and really um, have re maintained sexual sobriety since then. Um, you know, I, I jumped right in. I got a sponsor. I got involved with, you know, I got a home group, um, you know, and I started taking... I started taking suggestions um, you know, just straight off the bat. And, you know, when I, when I came here, um, you know, I kind of, I got it. I understood, you know, why I was doing the things that were being suggested. And I was, you know, it was really just kind of maintaining that attitude of willingness. Um, and some of the biggest things for me in, um, maintaining sobriety in the beginning was, was really, you know, checking in with someone every day, you know, whether I felt like I needed to or not, um, you know, and I, and, and I found that, you know, it was with my sponsor and with a couple other, you know, a couple other guys in the rooms where even if it was just a text message or a quick phone call, just letting them know where I was, you know, in my sobriety, that was really important. Um, and the other thing for me was my addiction my, my sexaholism, you know, lust for me is very much like a boulder kind of rolling down a hill. Um, if, you know, the boulder doesn't start rolling, that's great. But, you know, once it starts rolling, it really picks up momentum and one thing kind of leads to another. And it's just this whole process that it makes it much harder to stop. 
Um, and one of the things that I've found to be very helpful is um, I need to take some act of physically surrendering when my mind starts wandering or starts going into places where it shouldn't be or places that are bad for my recovery. Um, is I will you know, really just immediately text someone. And I don't have to get into details or, or anything like that. Um, for me, it's really just been a matter of, hey, I'm, I'm really struggling today with, with X, you know, I, I, and I needed to let somebody know. Um, and there's something about, you know, that, that physical act of surrendering, of, you know, kind of, of telling on myself that really removes the power that, that, that those thoughts or that those impulses have. Um, you know, because I'm willing to kind of take that step and do something, um, it really makes it, um, it really makes it much more bearable, you know, because it's not just rattling around in my head. Someone else knows. Um, as, I've, as I've stayed sober, um, you know, some remarkable things have happened. Um, you know, I've, I've started to develop or have developed a much better relationship with my higher power, um, you know, even after, you know, years in recovery in another 12-step fellowship, I had a very, I didn't have the best relationship with God. Um, I really kind of looked at him as just kind of an absentee landlord who just kind of set us loose um, and really wasn't involved much in in day-to-day stuff. Um, but as I've stayed sober in, in SA, um, as the lust hasn't gotten in the way of that connection with my higher power, I've, I've really... I've really changed, you know, how I look at that um, and my relationship with my higher power has, has really grown and deepened. Um, and sometimes that growth is really has really been the result of necessity. Um, you know, I've encountered things in sobriety that have been very difficult, um, family situations. Um, I've stayed sober, but I've needed, if I, in order to stay sober, my relationship with God had to get better. Um, I had to become more reliant on God. I had to do more of the basics in order to stay sober. Um, you know, and through those experiences I've seen, um, how um, good things can come out of, um, from my perspective at the time, you know, bad situations. Um, and what I've found is that a lot of the bad situations or the, or the, the, the things that, you know, quote unquote, go wrong in my life are just places where, where God's plan and my plan really diverge. You know, I kind of have this expectation of what the future should look like. And when things change and don't go in that direction, that's really, it's difficult for me to accept. Um, and it's unpleasant and it's uncomfortable. Um, and what I have to do is, like it talks about in the big book, is it's realign or, or really abandon my expectations. Um, you know, I go back again and again to that, to there's a story in the back of the book called Acceptance is the Answer. Um, and one of the things that the author talks about is, how my expectations lead to resentments and how my, my focus also um, 
dictates how I'm going to perceive situations. You know, am I focusing on the negative? Because when I focus on the negative, that's what increases. Or am I focusing on the positive? Am I focusing on, you know, the good that can come out of the situation? And a lot of times that's, you know, easier said than done, but it's definitely possible. Um, you know, and it's possible just through things that, that you know, I, I, I have to... to to do on a daily basis, um, you know, and just kind of as an example, a couple of years ago, um, I learned, I got a letter in the mail that I had um, a 14-year-old daughter that I knew nothing about. Her mom had never given her my name or anything like that. And, you know, I met this this daughter that I didn't know about. And, um, it was just, it was incredible. Everything seemed to be going really well. And then it just kind of went off the rails. And that was, I mean, it was, it was crushing for me. It was very difficult. It was, it was a very hard thing to deal with. Um, and, you know, rather than acting out, I, you know, kind of, um, you know, I did the things that, that had kept me sober through the little stuff that happened. You know, I picked up the phone, I called people, I went to meetings, I, um, I texted people, I shared about it, and there were times when I felt, you know, my God, people have to be tired of hearing about this, um, but I still needed to do it, because if I didn't do it, I was going to relapse, and then, you know, if and when things would turn around in my daughter's life, I needed to to maintain my sobriety, I needed to do the things that I needed to for my recovery, so that I could be there and approach things in a way that would be where I would be of maximum service to her. Um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's been an amazing adventure um, of things that have happened in my life since I've, I've gotten sober and as I've stayed sober, and it certainly hasn't gone, um, you know, particularly in, in family-wise, it hasn't gone the way that I thought it would go. My wife and I are foster parents and have, you know, an adopted daughter who really struggles with substance abuse and mental health issues. And, um, you know, it's not the what I thought my life would look like. But at the same time, you know, if you would have told me 10 years ago that I would even be interested in, in, in having children, I would have told you you were crazy um, because, you know, I was just happy enough. Um, you know, just not having kids. My wife and I were in pretty good shape without it. Um, but, you know, by doing the next right thing, I learned that, that that was something that was kind of missing from my life, that that was something where I had the ability to, to, to do something positive for other people. Um, so, you know, that's how we got into being foster parents. And, you know, through all of these difficulties, through the challenges that have come up, it's really been, um, you know, a program of recovery that has kept me, kept me a lot of times from making the situation worse. Um, and for me, that's a big deal because I don't necessarily know how to make a situation better, but sure as hell if my defects of character and my shortcomings get rolling, um, I can make situations much worse than they have to be. Um, and really that's born out of, you know, fear. You know, it's 
the, the chief activator of all of my defects of character. And I've learned that by doing the fourth and the fifth step um, and by looking at, you know, what happens. Um, when I get into that, that fear of the future or really fear of not getting what I want um, or, you know, fear that God's plan isn't going to be good enough. Um, so, I mean, it's just been, it's been an incredible journey. And, and a lot of times, thankfully, um, you know, being able to maintain some level of humility and kind of staying the right size and, and recognizing that it doesn't matter how long I have, that I need to keep doing these basic things if I'm going to stay sober, you know, accepting that and knowing that that voice that tells me, well, you know, you've been sober for a couple of years. You don't need to talk to people about these problems. You should, you should be able to deal with this on your own. You know, and I know today that that's not true. Um, when I start thinking those things, you know, today, thankfully, I, I recognize that as being ego. Um, and those are, that's usually the time when I need to talk to people most of all. So uh, I'm really grateful for this opportunity today. Um, I know there are a lot of people on the call, so I'm more than happy to yield the rest of the time to the other people who are here. That's all I have. Thanks for letting me share. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve. Thank you.